You're listening to the Live Out Loud podcast with River Wynn and Michelle Flamer. Hi, River. Good morning, Michelle. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's wintry. It's like I'm in LA and it is and it is so windy and blustery. It woke me up last night. It was so loud. How wow. It was wow. like 43 degrees this morning when I drove down to Santa Monica Beach to enjoy the sunrise. So it was like Ooh, beautiful. Yeah, it, I actually woke up to snow here. It snowed last Ooh. night. Ah. Amazing. Yeah, thick blanket of snow. <laughs> and I'm excited because you just met my mom on Zoom. I know. She's so cute. <laughs> I know. She's so sweet. Apologizing for her hair. I mean, no, no one wakes up with hair like, except for it's me. Sun- it's Sunday morning. No one I mean, wakes up with good hair except for you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's only because I don't, I have such short hair on either. So if I sleep on my side, this part it never gets affected. The poof, the poof, the faux hawk part doesn't even get affected. He didn't used to laugh at that, but um, so okay, so we're we're kind of getting into 2024, 2024, 2024, and we decided today to talk about triggers and glimmers. Correct, triggers and glimmers. Yes, um, which is interesting. I always find it so fascinating every time we decide on a topic in advance, I find myself talking with people about it for the next couple of days, like they're bringing it up and it's coming up in different contexts. And so it's always fascinating how that happens, the synchronicity like that. Well, beyond the fact that I think, I think it's top of mind for a lot of people right now because they're just coming off the holidays. The new year puts a lot of pressure on people mm-hmm. to create these false <laughs> narratives around resolutions. As you know, I'm not a fan. Neither. And also regarding manifestations. But one thing that I noticed that you said to me, talk about synchronicity. And then I heard it from another, from an actual therapist and we really shouldn't be so focused on our manifestations or our goals until like near the end of January. So January is like this kind of like just the first jumping off point, right? And just sort of kind of figuring out the lay of the land and then kind of creating slowly our lists and things that we want to accomplish that there's so I thought that was sort of well, interesting. you know and to take that even further like we're yeah. still in winter winter is not a time to be taking action right. winter is a time to to literally be be hibernating to be resting to be um like thinking towards the future but not necessarily taking big action and and like the astrological new year doesn't begin until March Mm-hmm. You know, Aries season, which is when things start to melt, things start to bloom, take off. I mean, it's still a little bit early for blooming, but you get the idea. Like spring is really the time to really take action. So right now is just keep resting. Keep, keep resting, resting. Uh, focusing on your own self-peace, right? Like uh-huh. really focusing on what sort of... um is peaceful and calm and you can go around the house and start purging little things here and there or creating creating spaces of of joy right like creating like if there's a corner in your house that you're just so annoyed with that sometimes that's a block from energy so if you can release and go do that for a little bit doesn't mean you have to make any big statement about it or create like a zen garden in that corner it just means that Mm, that's bugging me let's like let's I, i'm literally as you're saying that i'm like staring at a corner of my room uh-huh going hmm, that's my reading corner i have about i have like a stack of um wall baskets sitting on my dresser next to it i'm like hmm, maybe those baskets will go really well on the wall over there yeah <laughs> see exactly it's the time of the year for that of like taking care of home which also corresponds to taking care of internal self, like yep. 
home inside of you, not looking to the external, not looking outwards, not looking to what you're bringing in, cultivating what's already there. I'm, um, it's really fascinating that we're doing this podcast from, um, speaking of triggers and glimmers from my childhood home. Mm, um, yeah. we have had this home for 51 years. I'll be 55 wow. this week. So 51 years, my mother has lived in this house. Mm. It is, um, daunting to think one day that my brother and I are going to have to clean this bad boy out. Yeah. <laughs> and it, and it, but it also was, it, it brings up a lot of triggers for me in good ways and bad. So it's not even necessarily glimmers. It's that the triggers for me here have brought a, brought around um, a sense of peace, knowing sort of how far I've come from certain, <laughs> from certain conversations. Like there's been enough years from when my parents told us they were getting divorced in the living room. Like we've had so many wonderful events happen over those years. But sometimes when um, things pop up, you're like, oh, I was sitting right here when my parents told us like the furniture's different, but it's not, it's not, they're in the same spot. They're just different furniture. So I got sitting in a chair in that same energetic field. Yeah. And I'm like, I was sitting here. My brother was sitting there and my parents were telling us that they were getting divorced. And mm. we're fascinating. Speaking of triggers, this is more based on my mom is we were um, sitting on the couch the other, uh, the other night when I first got here on Friday night and we were, um, watching a movie, Notting Hill, which happens to be one of my favorite movies. So that That's was enjoyable. And then at the end, when it was over, we were just talking about, um, she had mentioned my ex and I said, yeah, I'm just so proud of us, blah, blah, blah. And she was saying, yeah, I thanked her for taking Cooper for the weekend, you know, that kind of thing. And we got into the, the idea of like how Carrie and I are, um, amicably co-parenting. Mm-hmm. And my mom, I could just, I could kind of feel the energy shift for a second. And I said, mom, mm -hmm. you know, the reason why I am such a conscious parent is due to you. And so no defensive coming up at all right in that moment. I said, because when you and dad got divorced originally, and I'm talking from my truth in my 11 year old self. Mm -hmm. in, in my, in what everything I knew up to that 11 year old being right. My yeah. little, little Michelle. And this is what I saw my perspective. And the reason why we co-parent the way we do and the way that I conscious parent is because I didn't want little Caden to suffer like little Michelle did. Mm. I only suffered because I saw my parents just not try to work out any kind of friendship within that. Yeah. And this is where her trigger popped in because she basically said it was my stepmom and my dad against her. Mm -hmm. And I said, I, I get that. I hear your truth. I don't want you to be in defensive mode here. After 30, 40 years later, mom, I get it that's your truth. I'm just telling you from the stance of where I parent from has nothing yeah. to do. Like you and I are good. I'm here to validate that you are well within your right to feel all your feelings. Mm -hmm. And I'm just sharing that because of your two actions, this is why I made a conscious decision to be the mom that I am today. Yeah. How cool you got to have that conversation with her. It was healing beyond belief. And I went and I could feel her getting a little revved. And I just said, mom, you don't have to get defensive. I'm on your side here. Like I get it, but I also understand dad. And I also understood Mary Jean's side and that's okay. I can understand all of your truths yeah. and take what I need from that and parent opposite of that. And it's still cool. And, you know, like what I'm taking away from that is, 
you know, when people talk about triggers, there's this negativity associated to the word triggers. I think sometimes where people expect that we have other other people have to understand if we're going to be triggered and we have to protect each other from trigger being triggered. And and really what a trigger is is, you know, the definition of it, it's it's an emotional response in your body and your mind yep. to something happening. Right. What it does is it shows us if we're able to just look at our triggers and sit with them, it shows us where within our experience, our body and our mind, we have been wounded. Well, I think with IFS, what I'm starting to learn and with that, and and you can go back to your thought, is it, it triggers are kind of our roadmap. It's like theory or your map voice saying at the next light, take a left. You know what I mean? Like that trigger says, oh, I got to, I might need to make a choice here of which direction I want to go right now. Yeah. And so my thought with that was like, you know, I know, I remember the word trigger really became kind of like a, like a social buzzword, I I would say in like the last 10 years. And I remember, um, I remember seeing someone on, for quite a while on social media, it was, it was a thing where you need to add a trigger warning to everything, right? Right. Because you don't want to offend people by making them feel. And I remember back then even just thinking, you know, it's not our job to prevent other people from feeling and experiencing. So I'm not going to add a trigger warning to anything because sometimes, sometimes we need to be triggered in order to stimulate our personal growth. Now there's moments where like, it's probably better to avoid some triggers in terms of like abuse and things like that. You know, there's certain things that maybe well, it's good to yeah, avoid it, read, but like read, read the room, right? Like you have read to the read the room. Yeah. Yeah. Read, know your read audience, the room, know the audience. And, but also it's, it's, if you're able to understand what a trigger is and see it as a moment where you have the opportunity to grow and expand or to shrink and run away, it can be a really powerful tool for growth. Yeah. I think if you look at it in that way, where every trigger is just a why in the road at that moment, you can yeah. either go the, you can either move in towards the trigger like you're talking about, or you can shy away from it, which just means it's going to take longer to heal that piece. You said why in the road and my mind went to the word why. It's a why. Like oh, I love that. Asking why am I feeling right. that? Right. Why is my body reacting to this? Mm-hmm. Why are my emotions responding to this in such a powerful way? Why am I triggered? Mm-hmm. It um it's it's cool. I, and I know I just pointed to like like that's my childhood home behind me, my childhood room. Yeah, your bedroom. bedroom. And it's it's so trippy to be like, you know, sometimes I'll go in there and I'll just sit for a second and just try to allow those memories to flood back to me. Like the time that my brother jumped on the trundle bed so hard, he literally like broke his thumb because he he fell off, you know? And like and like, you know, one day a lamp broke because the the boys were playing in there because they wanted to pull up everything and like have a place to just hang out. Mm So it's just, it's so fascinating what comes up for me, but I, I realize within the scope of my um, healing that, and like you just said, like, we can't, like, I know certain things are going to trigger her, mm-hmm. but I'm also practicing with her because life is precious now. These, these years with her, are Mm -hmm. precious because I lost my dad at 76 and my mom's going to be 76. So it's, it's in thinking about how can we continue to grow and move forward together as mom and daughter? Like last Mm -hmm. night we went, we went um, to have sushi. We had a date night, you know, we had sushi. We laughed so hard at dinner and, you know, I'm just really trying to do my best because it, it's, it's good for me. And it, and funny enough, the pattern popped up a few days ago before my, I'd already committed to the trip and it mm-hmm. said, 
you'll be healing mother wounds and blah, blah, blah. Like all, mm. kids, all around mother. And I was like, uh, okay, I'm leaning into that. Love and that. just having that conversation with her has been a game changer because my gift to her was able for her to feel like I don't blame her for anything. It yeah. just is what it is. And having her understand like one day Ivy and one day Tobin and one day Caden are going to be in college and things are going to click for them. And they're going to have like, they're going to call us one day from college or on the road or from their job or whatever they are in their life. And they're going to say, mom, when you blah, 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 what were you thinking back then? And we're going to be able to say, because we're very conscientious of how we parent them, we're going to be able to tell them exactly without getting triggered. And I think recognizing when someone is triggered in that moment. I think that was the biggest aha or the biggest glimmer in that moment for me was realizing that I could hold space for her in that second and then let her go back to saying all the things she needed to say without one bit of um, her feeling defensive. Yeah, you know, this is such a fascinating thought here because I was talking with someone last night specifically around parenting and this person was feeling triggered by an interaction with their child and their child was very clearly triggered about something. And I, I think like looking back to my childhood, um, you know, if you don't understand what's happening when a trigger is happening, you don't have the ability to um, hold space and respond you just react and it triggers you and so like in the context of parenting and i'm gonna circle this to my parents my mother would be very deeply triggered by any sign of um, disobedience like if we spoke up or questioned what she was saying it was an immediate trigger for her because it made her feel like she was out of control of the situation and so as a parent, the ability to recognize what's happening when your child is triggered and then stay regulated and not let it trigger you is a really powerful place to be able to parent from because you're recognizing that, um, and, and, you know, something I said to the person I was talking with last night is like, you know, children don't behave badly for fun. There's usually an underlying emotion. There's an underlying cause they're seeking um validation they're looking for connection there's something going on underneath that and so then when you're taking their big emotions and letting it trigger you it's not serving either of you in that moment and so as a parent you have to be able to recognize your triggers and right and self-regulate um and i will say like you know for me an example of a way i've worked through some of my triggers is that in the past, hearing like you speak about having the sushi date with your mom and laughing and all of that and having these conversations would have been a huge trigger for me because I don't have a relationship with my mother. And so in the past, that really affected me to the point where like an example is my my college roommate and I, she's very close with her family and her family would come to visit us and they would sit in our living room and just be laughing and having fun and making food together. And seeing them like that was so triggering for me that I would have to exit and I would spend most of that time hidden away in my room and I couldn't join them and have fun, even though they would have loved me to join them and have fun. Like I would be part of the family because it was so triggering for me to recognize that I didn't have those kinds of relationships with my family. Mm -hmm. But now, now that I know that's a trigger for me, when I start to hear someone speak about that, I immediately in my mind just acknowledge I don't have that with my mom and that's okay. I've worked through that. I can feel happy for my friend that they're having this connection with their mom. Yeah. Well, and knowing that I lost my dad, right? You know how like important this will be, you know, but for me, the whole powerful moment was literally she was about to go back into a victim mentality. Mm. I just said, mom, you don't need to get defensive at all like this is literally me just telling you how little little michelle and i said this out loud to her how little michelle was taking in everything that was going on and how it sort of you know affected going forward but now 
after all these years. And I said, mom, our relationship is so good. Like we've had 30 years of, of work underneath <laughs> us. The fact that she trusted when I said, don't get defensive. Like this isn't about you getting defensive. This is just you, me sharing a new perspective that you haven't heard from me before, but it's mm. not, it's not about bad Bonnie, bad mom. It's, yeah. a, it's literally about me like like opening up in the sense of just sharing why parts of this, this is why it works really well for me now, because I wanted to reverse how I felt for Caden. I love that because something you just said, like, you know, one of the reasons a lot of people have a hard time sharing themselves vulnerably with their loved ones is that the moment that they do, their loved ones become triggered by what they've shared because they take it personally and they're not able to step back and just hear your truth and recognize that that's your lens and your experience and it doesn't mean you're a bad person but we automatically go into defensive mode you know where nothing more personal with us we shut down and then so then the person who's being vulnerable shuts down and that's where the communication breaks down and the and the connection breaks down well when we think about us being moms Mm -hmm. this is the closest relationships we have in our whole life is with these little beings we brought into the world. Yes. It's hard not to take that so personal, right? Yeah. Like it's the only relationships out there that are like, if this kid's a fuck up, it's my, it's on me. Like there's only one degree of separation between healthy, not healthy, um, you know, spiraling, not regulated, giving no tools to the kid, you know, as we know from all of our friends who now are healing in the second half of their life from the first part of their life. So when you are talking and deep diving with a parent through this, and believe me, before my dad passed away, we had plenty of these talks. Mm-hmm. We worked through it. He'd get defensive. I didn't have a lot of tools back then. I would just tell him, Dad, look, this isn't about you. Like, that's the only thing I had to say to him at that moment. And then, um, you know, Mary Jean's such a big part of my life also. And I've had those talks with her since dad passed away. So there's been a lot of like, what happened back in? You know, like, like just filling in some of those voids that I had a different lens on back then. And only through like this new therapy of EMDR and IFS, am I starting to really grasp all the parts of me? And- Mm -hmm. And now being able to show up. And I think I I think we we I healed a part of her this week. And it's like so fucking awesome. And I'm not saying everybody should run out and call their mom and dad and like try to, (laughs) but I'm saying you can take baby steps to that by letting them know that, hey, this is my experience. If you want to have a relationship with your parent before, you know, elderly parents especially, that that there's still hope for that through conversation, love, and care. And my mom were sitting, we were next to each other on the couch. It's not like I was sitting in that chair across from her, like the divorce. Like yeah. I was literally just, we were cuddled up kind of close to each other because we were watching Notting Hill. And so it's it's just a really interesting place to watch myself in this growth. And, um, I don't know, it gets me a little emotional, but it's, it's, it's a a a glimmer. It's a, it's a good emotion. It's a really good thing. It's, It's a really good feeling to be able to acknowledge your own growth and how you interact with triggers. It really is. It really is. And I was talking about that with my therapist this week. So I had a therapy session and that was one of our topics where it was, you know, she just said to me, she's like, I'm just so proud of you. Also, because my therapist has known me personally for a long time outside of this. Um, So I'm just so proud of where you've come from and how grounded you are in yourself and your ability to continue doing this work for yourself outside of therapy sessions and to just be able to sit with yourself and deep dive it and and come out on the other side every single time. And 
I just, that, that really just like hearing that from my therapist, this person I respect and admire, I was just like, For oh, sure. thank you. <laughs> well, they've seen all the parts of you because she's helping yeah. you unravel it and still holds such beautiful sacred space. I think yeah. again, within like, I'm really finding in this new space of um, life for myself, two years almost, you know, um, with the divorce and now just opening up to, to allowing new people to come into my life. And I'm just working on building fun connections first and not taking it oh so serious and just recognizing the triggers and glimmers that those people bring into our life, right? Yeah, especially in the context of like dating. Yeah. I know that's one thing I you know, in the last two years of my divorce process and being divorced, like I have dated. And I said this before, like, I think it's so limiting when people come out of divorce and they say like, I'm just never going to date. I'm not going to date, you know, or give themselves like um, ultimatums like that, or like such strict boundaries around that. And so maybe some people need that. And I understand that. But dating teaches you so much about what you don't want. And dating allows you to experience triggers Mm -hmm. around your relationship wounding that come up to be healed and if I hadn't dated the last two years and grown through some pretty big triggers I would not be in the healthy space I am now where I feel like if I'm to encounter a potential partner the way I interact with that is so different than I would have two years ago because now I know exactly what I want, what I don't want. And I know how it makes me feel. And I'm able to uphold my boundaries and choose myself. I wouldn't be able to do that two years ago. I know. Like I was talking um, to Chrissy the other day, I think around like why people ghost us, you know what I mean? Like when, when you've literally known somebody for, for a week or three months, it's like, there's no reason to fucking ghost. It's like, for me, that if you're on a healing journey, that's the original trigger for most people. That's what, because yeah, it, it brings up abandonment. That's it. And they're not in a space at that moment of saying to themselves, wait, because self-love has to come into play hardcore. Oh, this doesn't have anything to do with me. <laughs> and the reason why people ghost is because they're not conscious and self-aware enough of their own emotions and their own feelings to be able to look outside of them and see uh-huh. how it might affect you. And it can be so simple. If if you're not feeling dating someone, it's so simple just to say, hey, I've appreciated our time together. Thank you. This doesn't work for me. I wish you all the best. Yeah. A simple text like that goes a long ways. Well, but it's, people ghost because they're afraid of confrontation and they're afraid of other people's emotions and mm-hmm. they don't want to feel like a bad person for making someone else feel badly. So it's easier for them just to run away. It's it's so true. And it's it's funny because I've just never, I'll never ghost anybody. I'll always just be like, dude, I think we're better friends. And then, you know, you just let it roll from there. Like, it's all good. I saw, I saw an astrology Instagram page <laughs> yesterday posted and it said, um, someone in your life blocks you and then unblocks you, blocks you and then unblocks you. Which astrology sign is it? And I had to laugh and giggle. And I was like, oh, it's a Libra because I dated a Libra guy last year who would do that anytime that he had something come up where he wanted to discuss something or he didn't feel like it was going to work out. He would send me a text and tell me we weren't going to work out and then block me immediately <laughs> before I even had a chance to respond. Or if I did respond with any kind of emotion, he would just block me. And then a couple days later, he would unblock me and call me and be like, I'm so sorry. Like, let's talk about, it. and I'm like, bro. <laughs> oh my God. That's... I finally got to the point where I just was like, I, like, this is un- like unsustainable. Like <laughs> you're giving me whiplash. Like I just can't do this. It was laughable. <laughs> um and so I had to write on that astrology thing I was like Libra and a bunch of people were like yes Libra I'm like I'll say I'll say there's a few other signs Capricorn there's a few others that just but you know what I think it's every sign it's just a matter of their spectrum of healing obviously but dang (laughs) they're just it's just crazy to me like 
I just think it's so if anybody's listening and in the day, just don't fucking ghost people like just be like man up for a second and just be like, all right, this isn't working. I don't or just say, hey, I don't want to ghost you, but I'm just feeling I'm just not feeling this. Like, who cares? And if you're someone who's been ghosted. Yeah. And you're super upset about that. Take that as an opportunity to recognize what is happening um, with you when you're being ghosted. Why yeah. does it affect you so badly? And why do you feel the need to chase this person and get closure from them and get answers from them? Why does it affect you so much when you're being ghosted? It's probably because somebody in your past in your childhood abandoned you or you self-abandoned and you feel like the only validation and safety and security you're going to get is from this person. And so when they abandon or they ghost you, it triggers up that feeling of not being chosen, of not being safe, not being secure. Yep. And when you feel that, it's an opportunity to build that safety and security within yourself. Mm-hmm. Because when you're safe within yourself, yeah, it's irritating when someone goes to you, but it shouldn't wreck your life. Yeah. Well, and then there might be a couple of different ways you go about it. But some of my friends who are like professional daters at this point, they're like, oh, my God, I just look at it as a moment of thanks for showing me who you are early enough. Yeah. I just didn't have to put (laughs) in any extra energy. And And I also heard something yesterday about matching energy. And that's been sitting in my brain for a while. And it can be a trigger or a glimmer for people, right? Because- matching energy isn't necessarily what we need or want at that moment because either we're going to match their energy and if they're vibrating in a lower frequency well that's not where we fucking need to be because I'm fucking up here going this is my worth this is my value this is like someone's going to be fucking lucky to be with me because I hold space like a motherfucker I love communication I will just I will just be there for your journey. Like I am, I know myself so deeply now that I am such a fucking catch for anybody. I'm not for everybody, but for the person or people or whoever who want to be a part of my journey in life, like, fuck yeah. But the minute- Okay, yeah. You know what I mean? So like, I I don't want to match their fucking energy because if their energy is coming at me, like I'm- I'm, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm so scared. Um, I'm just looking for friendships, like all those things that I've been listening to on podcasts, like all these don't match energy unless they're vibrating high. It's, you're not even going to have to worry about matching it because it'll just be there. And then can we talk about how, how, much of a trigger it can be sometimes when you're someone who's been on a healing journey, especially from relationship wounds, to meet healthy energy mm-hmm. that looks like what you've been asking for. Oh, yeah. And it feels good. And you can tell that it's like they're confident, they're secure, they're healthy, they know themselves. And it's your first time encountering that in the context of of potentially dating and having this these feelings for each other. That can be a trigger in of itself because what it what's happening is it it provokes and and pokes at your wounds and they come up to be examined in a new light because you've never interacted with someone in this healthy way before and and it so then it, you want to hold on tighter and then yeah. you want to hold on tighter or you're making you're making up new stories of how you can keep it in your life as opposed to allowing this beautiful interaction and communication and connection to flow through you organically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, you know, people assume that when you meet, you know, the one or meet someone who's healthy, that it's going to feel like butterflies and rainbows. But honestly, I will tell you, doesn't. it brings, it can be a trigger. It can bring a lot of shit up and it can be really tempting to run away from that Mm -hmm. because your system has not had a healthy relationship before. So you don't know what to do with it. And that's that moment where you have to sit with it and work through that stuff and not self-sabotage by running away, not being a ghoster. (laughs) Totally. The other part is I told you I had coffee today with um, a cool new friend and we were talking about soulmates, connection, twin flames. Like I just said, 
you know, cause we hadn't had that conversation. I'm like, do you believe in all that stuff? Cause I'm just seeing like in my mind, like, is this going to be a friend, for, you know, a, fr a new friend to yes. like, who will like enjoy being around you and like a friend that can like come into the circle and the fold and all that sort of stuff. And she was like, yeah, let me tell you about this experience I recently had. And, and she's like, basically I feel ruined for everybody else. And I said, no, it's just the universe's way of saying, now you know how it feels yes. to have someone show up in your space and to show up in your life and you're wanting more of that. So it also can be a glimmer depending upon where you are in your healing journey of saying, yes. like, like you've been saying recently, like, oh, the door was like barely open. And then after this beautiful expansion with this sweet man, you're like, now I know, like my door's opening more because I'm like, I want more of this. This is what I'm opening my door for. And exactly. I know I've been like in the last couple of episodes, I've mentioned this person that I had a yeah. connection with. It's profound. It's been a big it's, it's for been you. Very profound because yeah. what happened was that um, there's nothing quote unquote wrong with this man there's no giant glaring red flags like he shows up constantly consistently he is very sweet he's very romantic he's very emotionally available and wants to emotionally commit like he is like all the boxes are checked just one box wasn't checked distance we live so far from each other it just is not logistical and so in the past I would have been so upset about the fact that this is this connection is not going to go anywhere more than friendship mm -hmm. because I would have felt like this is never going to happen again. Right. I'm never going to meet someone like this again. No one's ever going to make that's me what it feel like That's this. what it triggered that's for you. Your self-worth, your, who, right. if you're lovable or not, which we all know you're lovable. But this experience was a glimmer for me this time mm -hmm. because- I recognize that everything that he was providing to me, I also provide to myself yep. and I didn't need him to give it to you me. You didn't self-abandon through this. I didn't self-abandon. And we showed up for each other with kindness and respectfulness and communication. I didn't shut down and run away from him. He didn't mm -hmm. shut down and ghost me. Like we have sat through this together, exploring our connection, exploring the feelings and then coming to the same conclusion together of this is not logistical in the chapters of life we're in, but we care about each other. We're going to stay in contact with each other as friends and we're wishing each other the best. We're here rooting for each other. And what a beautiful experience yeah. for me because now I know, okay, I honor and trust myself enough to not self-abandon. Yep. And I trust and honor myself enough to know that even if this is not the one, this was a beautiful experience yeah. and it taught me what is possible. I think that's, I think that's at the end of the day, what triggers can bring to your world and it can be applied to every category in your life. That's the beautiful thing because you can have work triggers around self-worth and knowing your worth and the value you bring to a company, or maybe you're worried about going on your own. So it's triggering, can I really do this, you know, again, around self, you know, and, and are you going to self-abandon yourself or are you going to lean in and, and trust that? Or are you, or is it about family triggers, um, generational trauma triggers, or is it about abuse and neglect and, or is it about relationships? Like, I love how these principles and everything you and I kind of talk about really be applied to everything and we always say we're not you're not we're not licensed yet like you're not like, like <laughs> I mean you're getting there but like we're Keep not therapist. therapists <laughs> at the moment so we can only speak through what his yeah. what's kind of our journey and what we're working for us and how we yeah. apply these principles but it is getting easier um as time goes on to welcome the triggers and like you said not not talked and when like when I'm talking to my mom, I know she's gonna maybe react if I say one thing or two things. But in this case, I I allowed it to just flow yeah. so that 
so that I could approach it differently. And I think that's kind of how I'm taking all of it from now on. Like I, I try to push things or I try to be my, my whole self completely just for the sake of, I rather trigger somebody to move on, like whether it's friendship, work relationship, um, dating opportunities, whatever that is. And I welcome all of that now because I'm like, cool, show me who you are. That's all. Cause yeah. guess what? If you text me, I'll text you back. Like I'm a, I'm like, yeah. a I'm a tennis player after all. Like, I, you I know, don't think we should be, I don't think we should be afraid ever to just be ourselves and speak our truth. I think when we get so caught up in being worried about triggering other people, we miss opportunity for true connection mm-hmm. and we miss giving them the opportunity to show us who they are. Totally. Because and also for us like, to celebrate our boundaries within that space. Yeah. yeah. So like for you know, example, this, this human being I connected with, like I had a trigger come up and instead of shutting down, I just spoke my truth to him and said, this is what triggered for me. This is why this is what came up. And he held so much beautiful space for that. And it showed me who he was. Yeah, that was a cool moment. How he responded mm-hmm. to me being triggered. He didn't take it personally. He didn't shut down or run away. He said, Oh wow. Like, thank you for sharing that with me. I hear you. Like, and I'm moving forward. Now I know. And it brought us closer together in that moment. And, and so I think, you know, really it's like sometimes too the the trimmers, the the triggers and the glimmers are kind of like closely entwined, you know. I like it's let's like call it moment. a trimmer. I like how you trimmer. just kind of you Freudian slip like trimmer. It was <laughs> like know? And I'm like, that's a new word, maybe. Maybe that's a new we got a, a, glitter, a glitter, a glitter. <laughs> a glitter, yeah, a glitter, a glitter, a glitter. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you know, we haven't defined yet for our listeners what is a glimmer. Yeah. Glimmers are the absolute opposite of triggers in that they are small moments that spark opposite emotions to triggers such as joy, peace, and I love this, and safety. So as opposed to triggers. A glimmer will have a positive impact on our own mental health and well-being. So mm-hmm. I really love that. Yeah, I do too. I do too. That's a newer concept for me. I mean, I think, you know, I think deep down we all understand that feeling, but like having a, a word assigned to it, a concept assigned to it is newer for me. Um, yeah. I like it. It really resonates for me. Oh yeah, me too. I love it because how it can kind of show up when you're meeting new people is they give you the, they, they tell you sort of how they want to communicate. Right. And you're like, ah, I just don't have to worry about like asking that question or guessing. Like, I think I'm just so over guessing people's emotions. Yeah. <laughs> like it's been a long road of having to guess a lot of people's and that's, and that's me moving through the people pleasing part of it is that I no longer give a fuck until they tell me to give a fuck. Yeah. And I don't mean that in a bad negative space. I mean no. that in a sense of like, I will trust the fact that you're going to take care of you. And if something pops up, you're aware of it enough and maybe give me the benefit of the doubt to understand and become clear through that communication. And I just, yeah. and I just don't even like, like if you don't even have the capacity to even ask a deeper question around something that, you know, again, around the ghosting or wherever, it's like people just fucking don't even give you a reason. They just are like, well, that goes back to that matching energy thing of like, mm-hmm. you know, I have, a, I have a client who's going through a breakup right now. And we were, ta- we were chatting this week about second guessing yourself um, in the context of a breakup. And <clears throat> I had this, we had this moment where we're talking about, and I said, you know, I think that, you know, deep down that you can't go back mm-hmm. because if you were to go back, it, it would quite literally be vib- like vibrationally lowering. You know, you're going back to a space where you can't fit into that space anymore because you're not that same person anymore. You're not at that same energy. You don't subscribe to those behaviors and that model of, of relationship. That's not who you want to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the context of dating, it's like, you know, you hear that matching energy, but it's like, 
is is their energy going to bring you down and and when you're aware of your own energy and you're aware of what you want and and you're getting those glimmers in dating especially where you're like oh this feels good more of this please <clears throat> it really shows you who doesn't have the capacity to show up and be like heart wide open and speak vulnerably and <clears throat> be on a similar level of interaction yeah and all all of this is really coming back to when <clears throat> My ex-wife and I were discussing getting a divorce, like the process of that. And, and, and God bless her at that time. She really asked me several times throughout those weeks, are you sure you want to get a divorce? Are you sure you don't want to go into some intensive couples therapy and for us to finally heal all the wounds? What I want to say around that moment is that within relationships and we have a lot of people who are thinking about divorce that listens to us that there's just a big you know the collective right now there's a lot of breakups happening yeah that, that there's no right or wrong way that like you said like you can't like now that she has seen the truth of who she is where she sits in that relationship it's more important to understand that even if the person on the other side of you actually has the desire to dig in, you knowing yourself, like I knew in that moment, even if we went to a five-hour intensive therapy weekend, couples therapy, I knew that I just wasn't going to have that capacity any longer within our journey. I, I knew... I needed to do so much more work on my own at that point that I didn't even want to hold her back. And the mm. truth is so painful at that moment, but you have to get so real with yourself that yeah. even though your partner is saying, Hey, I want to be, I want to, I want to do all the therapy now. I want to, I really want to hold space for you. And I want to learn how to like communicate better that you have to get to a point in your relationship where if if it's only you in that moment seeing all the truths, it sucks because we're the only one that can pull the Band-Aid for good after that. And it sucks because there's a new story at play. We are the villain at that moment in their story because mm -hmm. they asked to try, but it's not even about that. It's it's If I felt there was a 30% chance that, boy, if we did that, we would really have something special, but there was too much built up and hurt from the years prior that mm -hmm. I just wasn't willing to unravel with her. Now that comes into play, obviously, as you, as one day when I'm in an actual relationship again, where some of those things may resurface naturally, but I'll have the tools to say, Ooh, like we were talking about, this is coming up for me, has nothing to do with you. I'm just realizing I'm playing out something that needs to get played out. And if that person is your right person, they're going to be like, what can I do in this moment with you? Yeah. Do we need to role play it out? Like, I'll just pretend I'm so-and-so. Um, or do you need alone time or do you need to call your therapist, you know, for an yeah. emergency or do you just What's need to go need? Exactly. But you have to know ourselves, right? It's like, Rip, like you have to know yourself so deeply. You can't get away from the self journey. You mm -hmm. can't get away from ourselves. So no matter what comes up, triggers, glimmers, anything, manipulation, um, abandonment, all that shit. If we, if we truly don't know ourselves in that moment, we don't even know what to ask for. Yeah. Exactly. And that's why I will always shout it from the tops of the mountains and the city roofs that the most important relationship you will ever have is with yourself. And if you are not fully invested in getting to know yourself better and understanding yourself, <clears throat> there's not a single relationship in your life that is going to do that for you. That's right. And you're going to be searching and searching and seeking and seeking for answers 
and validation externally until you come to the space where you trust yourself and know yourself enough to take care of you and listen to yourself. And that's the only time that you can start letting someone else come in. Yes. And it takes a lot of extra communication. It takes care and curiosity because there are parts of relationships and I mean, like when you're inviting a healthy relationship, a healthier person into your life where they're meeting you and in your higher vibration self, and they're on that same part of that journey. Like mm-hmm. there are certain, there are certain non-negotiables. Like sometimes you meet somebody and they're like, oh my God, my kids are now out of the house. I, you know, I, I kind of might want to find somebody who doesn't have kids in the house because I'm ready for that freedom. And like you've talked about before, like you understand like the type of person that you really want to call into your life. Like you may not want kids again. So maybe that X is out so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so XYZ person. And yeah. you, so, but there are parts of us that aren't going to be completely healed on our own, that we can only heal those parts of us in a relationship that's willing to hold space for the fucking healing. And you what... will hear everyone who yep. has, who is in their first serious, healthy relationship say that exact thing that being in a healthy, secure, safe relationship with someone who brings that energy to the table is if it for a while it can be deeply triggering because there are there are certain things that we do need to heal that can only heal in the context of being in a relationship because they will only be triggered if we're in a relationship. <laughs> right. It is. It's so it's such a fun catch 22, isn't it? It's like, uh-huh. but the other part of it is like, hey, I like I can imagine I imagine that that conversation one day with somebody, I'll say, all right, I think we're going to do this, right? Like we want to be exclusive at this point. Like we're feeling like we want to, we want to meld our families a little bit, baby step into like creating a life together. Let's lay out all of our issues right now. Let's lay out our personal triggers and let's just deep dive some of these before we go forward into more of that. And I can't even imagine how lovely and welcoming that that moment is going to be because you're acknowledging that we're both not perfect, mm-hmm. that we're, we find beauty in our imperfections, yeah. and that we're going to the commitment we make at that moment. It's not a lifetime. It's literally like we're going to choose each other daily. And if this pops up, this is how I need you to hold space, but you only know how to tell somebody like we teach people how to treat us. Right. And the only way we know that is when we know how to treat ourselves. Like we know what actually, (laughs) it doesn't work. It's not the other way around. Like I'm not looking for anybody to bring me, to make me happy. I'm fucking happy. I want someone to bring value and make my happy life. Like, like coffee at my favorite little joint will, will just be, like a little like elevated because that person's with me yes yes all of that i couldn't agree more <laughs> yeah i know so some of the glimmers in that moment those are glimmers yes they are. those can be glimmers as well as like like wait hold on i don't have to do this on my own anymore no and then you you kind yeah. of put something out and they hold spit you're like oh wow they're not reacting like x a x b you know whatever like there it's funny knowing, it's right. funny knowing now, like I know yeah, what some of my triggers are going to be when I get into a healthy relationship. I know what your trigger, you probably know mine too. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And so it's going to like, for me, a big one is going to be just the act of partnership, like having an actual <laughs> partnership. Totally. Um, because even when I was in my long-term relationship and marriage, it wasn't a partnership. Mm-hmm. I was the captain of the boat, keeping everything running smoothly, managing everything. And friends and family, even his family used to laugh and joke that I was raising four kids, my two biological children, his stepdaughter, and then him. <laughs> and so I am so, I've always been so 
hyper independent Mm -hmm. throughout childhood, throughout my teenage years, throughout my 20s. Being married, I took care of everything. And now as a single mom, I take care of everything. Isn't there like a term right now going around where these women, like all these moms are like fucking exhausted because they've been taking care of everything? There was like some married single moms. Yeah. Yeah. Like that is a a real feeling of, of being, having a quote unquote partner or spouse, but being the one to take care of everything Mm -hmm. to the point where you don't feel like you're in a partnership at all. And And it's, and you hear a lot of divorced women say that being a single mother doesn't feel any different to them than when they were married. That's so sad to me, but I'm so glad for them because at least taking the leap, they're going to allow space to bring in, like you're talking about, like this full, honest, like showing up for all of the good stuff, you know, relationship and holding space for the icky stuff. So for me, like, and, and I really realized this when I recently, I had one of my really good guy friends come over for dinner because my kids adore him. And yeah, that's awesome. uh, He's a part of our life. And he came over a couple of weeks ago and, um, he was raised by a single mom. And so he, he gets it Yeah, and he came in and my kids are just being chaotic. It was after school night, right? They're being chaotic. Totally. He came in and he just came in and he said, how can I help? What do you need right now? Love that. And I had this moment where I, my go-to was, I don't need you to do anything. I've got it. Like I'm managing all of it. Of course. But I was like, okay. And this moment I could choose to receive his help and know that that's, he's offering, he's being genuine. I don't need to shut down and manage everything myself. And so I made a conscious decision. I was like, you know, what would really help me right now is the kids being kept out of the kitchen. Totally. Just go play with the kids. kids like hang out with the kids uh-huh. and he was like I got you and then he noticed that the table needed set still so he was like hey kids let's set the table so he Love got the it. kids engaged in an activity that brought their like chaos down to yep. a manageable level he was engaged with them and then he played with them while I finished dinner and oh, then dear. after dinner he was like hey guys like I'd love to keep playing with you more but let's help your mom clean up the table first yeah. and he managed like and it was such a beautiful feeling to recognize that like it's okay to receive that yeah and I shouldn't have to ask for that well especially from a dear friend who's a true divine masculine in your life yeah yeah he's a wonderful guy wonderful guy and he's gonna be a great partner and dad someday like wonderful I see that for him yeah and so it was like you know he got to practice giving in that way and I got to practice receiving because that really highlighted Mm. for me that is going to be one of my biggest triggers in partnership yeah is having someone come alongside me and be intentional about creating our life together. Yeah. Not having to do everything myself, even though I can. Yeah. You know, I love these conversations the most because I just feel like I love unpacking these things with you. And I love that we get to share it with our listeners. And we have, um, we have Chris coming on next week for um, astrology 2024 kind of how to utilize through these you know a a new tool and showing you know people how they can live their life and if something's popping up for them how it could also be a use useful tool going forward but I also love the fact that when we were full circle from the beginning of this talking about creating and manifesting and going Mm -hmm. into spring and the kind of things that like you're going to come down in the spring, um, mm-hmm. we're looking at dates and we, and the things that we want to create for our community is mm-hmm. going to be so epic this year. Like I am so excited to share and, and deep dive with some of our listeners and friends of listeners and things like that to help everybody heal this year. And move forward and ask for more for themselves and desire more love and friendships and, you know, creating community within their own lives. And I think, I think if people just allow new friendships into their life first, we've said this a few times over the last eight months, but is really such a gift for you to practice 
within a safe girlfriend friendship and you can lay out the laws of like, these are the things that that fuck with me. So when you see me doing this, like I want to, I want to work on it. Like in having, finding these wonderful friends to hold space for you in that. And if not, then they'll come and join us on a community building exercise that we, you and I are creating Mm -hmm. and they can practice with us. Like we can do some role playing and exactly. help, help them realize and, and heal through some of that role playing. So I'm super excited for this year. There's a lot that is going to transpire and it's, it's a big, crazy world. And, um, is, is this, a, is this a glimmer? Is this a glimmer this, for you? Yeah, it is. It totally is. It all sparks joy. I mean, yeah. you know that, like, this is my favorite hour of the, of the week anyway. So but mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I love this and let's just keep rocking and I love you. I love you too, friends. Thank you. Listeners. <laughs> Thank you listeners. Yes. Subscribe and share, especially, <laughs> you know, share this episode with your friends or a friend, a new friend, share it and say, Hey, I love their friendship. I love what they're talking about. Is this something you, you know, we, we could talk about one of these days. Like I'd love to talk triggers and glimmers with you and I would love I personally would love to see you know it takes like two seconds to leave a review on a podcast and I know that I've been very intentional lately about trying to leave reviews for the podcasters I enjoy because I know how much it does for them and so if you get any kind of value from listening to us just take two seconds and leave us a review letting us know what that value has been yeah wherever wherever you listen if it's youtube if it's um spot spotify apple Mm -hmm. iHeartRadio. i mean we're we're pretty much anywhere you can listen yeah we i agree thank you for uh shouting that out of course (laughs) okay talk to you soon love ya bye If you enjoyed this episode today, be sure to subscribe and share because what do we say, baby? Sharing is caring.